Hello, hello. It's another case of mixtape and identity, and my guest this week is Jamie Kirk. Thank you so much for joining me. This is episode 56 of Mixtape and Identity with comedian and podcast host Jamie Kirk. Uh, Jamie, something that I've followed for a while, the Community Noticeboard podcast is, is something I've been following for quite a bit and I think they've followed me as well. So it was quite nice getting in touch with Jamie and actually uh, sitting down for, for a bit of a chat. I had a great time with this, with this playlist. It's a very definitive genre, a very definitive moment in time captured in 15 songs, I would say. Um... And yeah, it's it's a it's a genre of music. It's a it's a style of music that slightly passed me by in my teenage uh, years. So uh, this was actually quite nice being able to and recapture that in in a way. But it was an awful lot of fun anyway. And it's a great chat. Jamie's a great guy, and uh, and yeah, really funny bloke. So this is an awful lot of fun. If this is your first time listening, if you're new here, then the playlist that we're going to be talking through is available on Spotify. It's available in the description of the podcast. And yeah, if you search for Mixtape and Identity on Spotify, you can find us and all the other playlists from all the other shows. And give us a follow on Instagram. That's where we do all the updates and all the guest announcements, everything like that. That's where I pay most of my attention on social media. So go and give us a follow there. Uh, I'll be back at the end of the show. But for now, we'll get into episode 56 of Mixtape and Identity with Jimmy Kirk. So how often do you actually listen to music at the moment, Jimmy? Oh, uh, at the moment, quite a ton, just because I've got a newborn baby and uh, to put her right. to sleep, she needs to listen to Jimmy World. <laughs> Jimmy World? Nice. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. Good. So, favorite band... One of my favorite bands, probably, but now also having to listen to it upwards of three hours a day, every day, same songs. Yeah. You'd think you'd get tired of it, but luckily, I don't. Okay. I think it nice. I think it beats listening to, you know, the, the same Wiggles song over and over again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that'll come. That'll come. Yeah, I'll yeah. See. That'll come. I, <laughs> it'll be a few months, and then she'll be like, "Dad, your music is awful." And I'll be like, "People have been saying that my whole life, man." <laughs> yeah, I think that's the joy of fatherhood is they get into, yeah, impose and imprint your 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 taste. Exactly. On, on exactly. Good, make yeah. her a little like make her a little punk rock here as well. She's currently got the <laughs> hair for it. I'm constantly combing it up. <laughs> Excellent. This this is obviously this isn't a normal question I ask, but did you did you do any of that sort of play music to her when she was in the womb? Yeah, we had a whole playlist I think of oh, songs yeah? that kind of uh, me and my wife both liked and shared together and right, stuff okay. like that. And then she so she, that was happening. So a lot of that stuff is still playing in this house now. And then she's nice. also got a little playlist for when it's bath time. So she listens to music when she's having a bath. And then, but then falling asleep, nothing but Jimmy World, baby. <laughs> Excellent. I like, I, I, I'll need to find the list. I have it, I have it somewhere. But I remember when, uh, when my son was, uh, um, well, when my wife was pregnant with my son, um, we, we played a music. Um, and then I made a note of like how much he would kick based on oh. the song that was playing and then like what uh, basically i worked out what like say worked out i <laughs> um, inferred from that that these were his favorite songs um 
So yeah, Tusk by uh, Fleetwood Mac was his was his favorite. Oh, that's a good one. And does it yeah. and does it still apply now? Out of the womb? Uh, no, no, no. It's <laughs> it's it's basically it's the Bluey soundtrack or bust. Um, ah, yeah, I'm excited to get onto Bluey. <laughs> we're not we're not quite there yet, but everyone everyone raves about it. So look, just if if I were you, I just start. I mean, yeah, not 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 for her, just for you. It's yeah, right. It's bloody good. I, I'm a big fan. Um, so if you're listening to music that's just for you, then and not you know three hours of Jimmy Eat World to to mm-hmm. calm your daughter down. Um, do you do you go through albums or do you go through playlists or what's the what's the typical go to? Usually, very music? much a full album person, just because right, okay. I, I like the order, I like the structure, I like feeling out all the songs and where they're supposed to be. I'll occasionally. Right do a playlist if like if it calls for like relaxing or something or if i'm doing something for a night out but usually if i'm at home i will be listening to just albums in full right okay okay especially um, now that i've i've done everything i've done the thing that most 35 year old men have done and got into collecting vinyl and basically using that as an excuse to rebuy all the cds i had when i was in my 20s and just spending the money all over again, but more expensive now and bigger and taking up more storage room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you can see that, like, this is under my hats here. That's ah, uh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, my record player, which gets no action. D- don't oh, use it. Um, mine mine gets do- quite a lot now. Actually, I feel like I have to justify the fact that I'm always buying albums that I already own in some shape or form. Or yeah. that are on the computer for free, but I mean, they there just look that, so yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm a big. And fan. then I can I can talk about how the audio pops or how vinyl sounds warmer. I I don't know. <laughs> it, it it just sounds like music to me. Yeah, yeah. I found out that because I was I when I first got my vinyl player, I didn't know how to set it up. I didn't know anything about the weighting of the needle, so I kind of just like looked at the instructions, and then mm-hmm. for months. I heard like a crackle when I was playing them and I thought it was mm-hmm. the speakers because they kind of look like old PC speakers that you had to turn on. And yeah, so sure. I thought it was that for months and I was trying to test them. And then I ended up going to a record store telling them they looked at the speaker, which I had the little speaker thing, the amp thing I had pushed in because I was trying to figure it out. And he was like, well, you can't right. do that. And I was like, <laughs> all right. So he sold me some new speakers. I was stoked on it, set them up, same thing happened. And I, of course, because going to a store like that is such a, feels like such a mission, even though I've spent the money on it already. I finally go back there. I take the vinyl player. I take the uh, the speakers. I'm going in being like, yeah, the speakers that you sold me don't work. And the guy looks at me and he's like, first thing, you're holding the vinyl player in a way that will damage it. And then I was like, <laughs> okay. And then he was like, so let's get a look at these speakers. And he tests them with his records. It works fine. He goes, let's look at your vinyl player. And then he goes, Jesus Christ, who set this up? And I was like, oh, uh, the, 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 the person who bought it for me is kind of an audiophile. And he was like, well, they're not because the needle is pressing down on all the records. It's like you haven't even set up the needle correctly. So the whole time the needle has been dragging across my records, making that crackling sound. He took 30 seconds to snap something into place. And now it sounds perfect. So I think I spent maybe like $400 on speakers that were probably fine in the first place. And then, yeah, I had to lie about who set it up because I was so embarrassed (laughs) in the audio store. 
<laughs> I mean, you have to. You have yeah. to. I, I yeah. wasn't going to be like, yeah, me. I think it sounds great. Yeah. There's, there's not a chance I'm, I'm, I'm admitting that to someone who knows what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Not a hope. Um, this is this is me learning for the first time, by the way, that you set up the needle. Yeah, you know that was a thing. I had no um, idea either. And apparently, so... the weight, the little weight thing, I'd set that so it was just basically. He said it, it, what I was doing essentially was sitting on the record because it was so heavy. <laughs> I was like, okay, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, my audio file friend thought that. I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so we'll we'll dive into the list here. So, mm-hmm. song one is a song that you fell in love with straight away. So you've gone for "You Know How I Do" by yes. Back Sunday. Yes, great song. Still listen to it all the time. I think like it, it comes down to, you know, I'm 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 36 actually, not 35. I still cling on to 35. But uh, of course, the kind of like emo movement that swept the world hit me at the exact right time. And before that, I was kind of a boy adrift. You know, I I, I was in love with like pop punk and skate punk when I was 11 or 12. Like I Blink-182 were my favorite band. Then I moved from England to Australia and everyone in my school was kind of getting into gangster rap. And it was all about Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Eminem, all that sure. sort of stuff. Blink-182 had had its moment. They'd gone through. And then I, you know, I didn't, at that time, I didn't spend a lot of time looking into the stuff I liked passionately. Uh, and then I started, I think I started going down a dark path. And about 2004, I had two Hoobastank CDs in my car. So that's the kind of direction I could have taken if I hadn't found taking back sunday and you know how i do i could still be listening to the reason to this day um so i had so i had that i think i was trying to i had done the the thing with all the the bands that uh, got popular in the early 2000s like the strokes and the vines i had those albums but they never quite hit me hit me i just enjoyed listening to them and then i think franz ferdinand with a big thing in 2000 like early 2000s and i dabble with them but nothing had kind of grabbed me like the same way that i felt when i first listened to a band like blink 182 and then i find this album from a little website because i just searched like bands that sound like blink 182 and i found a little website called absolutepunk.net which ended up becoming like a huge kind of bible for me and they had named uh, tell all your friends by taking back sunday their record of the year in 2002 and so I immediately went on, uh, I guess, LimeWire and downloaded it and sure. fell in love with it immediately and was like, oh, this is singing about stuff that I uh, identify with, which is, right. you know, just feeling introverted and like no one likes you when you're 18. And it was a perfect blast of aggression. And I I love how, like, even right into the song, it's clear that they didn't record with a click track on the drums because the way the drums come in is so kind of immediate but kind of just off beat. Mm. And heard that, downloaded the rest, immediately was like, oh, I guess this is what I've been looking for. And so then just trolled through that website and looked up all their favorite albums, started downloading them. And then there was this little-known game... Uh, it was called Emo Game. It was on a website called emogame.com. Okay. And when you're, when you're 
15, 16 in the early 2000s, this was like a kind of flash game that was like a platformer where you threw vinyl records at enemies, but you start as uh, emo band singers and it had all this meta commentary about the scene, but also extremely misguided, edgy humor about (laughs) like consumerism, a lot of like rape jokes and stuff like that. But at 16, you're like, holy shit, this is gold. I think now if you go to emogame.com, there's like a little shrine to it, but he was like, I've removed it because I'm so embarrassed about the games I designed. But right, through sure. that, basically, I would just go through the characters, be like, sunny day real estate. All right. And I'd download them and just go through all that stuff. And that was when I found that I was like, okay, this is what I'm into. And then I think like about six months later, it blew up and took over the world for a little bit with My Chemical Romance and then Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco. Hmm. So do you say you're still you're still into this now? This is like this is still your. This go-to? is it. Yeah, yeah. I said I. It it did sound like I was complaining when I said my newborn listens to Three Hours of Jimmy World. I fucking love. It. I'm sitting there singing all the lyrics. I'm rocking out. <laughs> it's like if I turn that playlist off, I'm likely to just grab Bleed American and put it on my record player. Like I, sure. I'm still. That's why I said all my vinyl stuff is just CDs that I had in my car from my twenties. I've just yeah. replaced burnt CDs downloaded from LimeWire and yeah. replaced them with official merchandise. Mm. But yeah, Excellent. it's it's very much still what I listen to. I've had I've had my moments of branching out that I'll probably that there are some in this list that I'll get to, but I, I always come back to this sort of stuff. And I think now I'm in the that, you know, or in that perfect age where nostalgia is so powerful and especially with this scene because it's all yeah. come back with that huge festival in Las Vegas. And every yeah. album is turning 20, which makes me feel very old, but it also <laughs> means all these guys are coming back for reunions to chase sure. that dollar and do their tours. So for me, it's like yeah. a golden age again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I remember recently seeing an album called, now that's what I call Dad Rock. Like <laughs> mostly like you know it was blink 182 and jimmy world and that kind of yeah, stuff yeah great like, oh, so you just feel God. like homer simpson in the record <laughs> yeah. store and in the lollapalooza episode <laughs> asking for grand funk railroad except i'm asking people for taking back sunday and they're like who i actually i think i went to see some 41 recently and i mm-hmm. you know i thought some 41 were a huge band because fat lip was such a big anthem in the 2000s it was on american pie too yeah classic movie mm-hmm. and i i think i went to the pub before the concert and she she's pouring me a beer and she's like what are you up to tonight and i was like oh, i'm seeing seeing a band she goes ah oh, who and i said i'm seeing some 41 and the offspring and she just goes oh who are they and i was like oh fuck me i'm <laughs> she was probably like 22 23 and i was like oh boy <laughs> oh man don't like that um <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, look, um, yeah, there's a there's a few things I want to touch on there. We've you know we've got Blink One Eight Two coming up as well, so there's um, mm-hmm. a couple things we want to come back to. Um, song two is a song that took you a while, so yep. you went for Hard Times by Paramore. Yeah, and I believe Gabby Bolt said this song as well on this very podcast. She did indeed. Yeah, yeah. So I, this this question took me probably the longest amount of time to fill sure. out when I first saw the list of songs. And there were so many that kind of came to mind. But then I was like, no, I think I always like love that song. And I struggled with this one quite a lot. I settled upon Hard Times because I think the first time I listened to it, I literally like was like, oh, this is trash. And right. then 
and then I came around on it over a period of months. I I like I liked Paramore quite a bit, and I'd followed them. I wasn't a super fan or anything, but then they started mm-hmm. when this album came out. I think they started getting some pretty major mainstream cred. I think like Pitchfork, which had just eviscerated punk and emo albums throughout the 2000s, was like, this is pretty good. Mm. And so I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. It's kind of synth-influenced stuff, like new wavy. And then there was just one particular bit in the chorus where like, there's a little vocal effect where I was like, I don't know if I can get on board with this. And it, it, it was something to that starts out as so irritating to you, but then like it turns completely and you have that 1984 moment where you're like, oh, I realize I love this little vocal moment now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I really like this song. I think the thing I said about um about the song when, when Gabby was talking about it is that I remember one of the big criticisms at the time of the song was that it sounded like something you'd get in Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> and I remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, it does. Fuck this song. It sounds like something Crash Bandicoot. And now looking back on it, now I'm like, I love Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, exactly. I love this you, song. You could, What's you wrong could pick with a that? Shitty, you could pick a shittier game than Crash Bandicoot. Someone yeah. said to me, if someone said to me, oh man, that sounds like Crash Bandicoot, I'd be like, I probably got to hear this song. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it's because it's Paramore and because there's an expectation of what their music is meant to be then you know yeah exactly from that yeah and yeah it's it's actually funny because this 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 song is like the polar opposite to uh blink 182 yeah the conversation i've had with them which is like they've basically never blink 182 have never changed and they're coming Mm. back for a reunion more or less doing what they were doing before and Mm. then paramore have gone on this entirely other journey and I think, I mean, there there is something about that, like about the whole reunion thing and the twenty year anniversaries. It just it leaves me a little cold personally. It's not it's not for me. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just funny seeing the contrast in terms of how people react to that because I think Blink One Two fans want everything to stay the same and like we 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 just want mm-hmm. this tour again. And then I think Paramore fans were the same. And that's why there was such like a, a backlash to what they were doing. They were trying to evolve their sound, and people were like, "No, I wanted, I want yeah. more of what you've done in the past. Give me yeah, more exactly. of what I want. I um, just want more misery business." I think that's an interesting point. Yeah. Like I do, like bands that come back, and then you can do one of two routes. You can kind of, you yeah. know, play twentieth anniversary full album show, have nothing against it. Or you can kind of come back and release new music. And usually these people are not going to be like, well, it's been 20 years. We're going to release new music and it's exactly the same. <laughs> like most of the people are like, well, we want to kind of push ourselves sonically and lyrically. And I think that's when people are like, well, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, like uh, the likes of playing at 182, that's something that, you know, can grind people as well. Like it's, like it's, it's, it's nice to go see... A snapshot in time, basically. Exactly. Like you, I mean, you even with Blink One Eighty Two, when they released their self-titled album, it was so moody and kind of clearly influenced by the Cure and post-hardcore mm. bands. I was like, "Well, this isn't what's my age again." And I hated <laughs> it when I was fifteen, and now I can't. Right. It's it's taken me a long time, but now I kind of think it's a great album. Right. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, song three is a song from your introduction to music. 
So you went for it in the city by the jam. Yeah. So my my dad uh, was born in the sixties in London. So he kind of came up when punk music and mod music came exploded in England. So I right. mean, your mileage may vary with how accurate and true his stories are, but he reckons he's seen the Sex Pistols, Joy Division, The Clash at all these pub shows and whatnot when right, the, okay. when people were. When the when the when the real shit was happening, you know, like when Sid Vicious is carving bloody letters into himself with beer bottles during the show. So he was a big punk fan and then of course turns into a dad and gets heavy into Frank Sinatra. But just sure. before the Frank Sinatra music, I think the jam was something that was playing quite a bit in my household and like I, I just like yeah, it, it's great. I mean, Paul Weller's a great songwriter. and mm. But I, I think that stuff happened when I was very young and then came the big Frank Sinatra uh, episode where that was playing in our car ad nauseum. And then I think when my dad heard me listening to bands like Blink-182, he was like, well, that's not punk, you know? They, they, as it, they stand up to the government. They carve shit on themselves. They do heroin. And I was like, I live in Castle Hill. Pop punk and punk is about going to the mall. Like that's what it is. That's what it is, baby. It's about going to the mall and being mad that your parents didn't give you enough money for the mall. I don't know about social change. I'm 13, trying to see Big Mama's house. Oh, that's such a funny dad thing to do. To be like, you know, that's you know, what you're listening to isn't extreme enough. You need to listen yeah. to a man who's gonna self mutilate on stage. Exactly, and I'm well aware that I'm I'm already in the process of doing this. I'm, with the Jimmy World stuff, the moment she, my daughter changes and is like, I'm actually trying to find my own identity, I'll be like, but what, what, what about all the stuff we've got? <laughs> She'll be like, yeah, Dad, understand. take off your Blink-182 shirt. You are 55 years old. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't need a shirt that has a penis joke on it and says Blink-182. You're embarrassing me in front of my friends. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, I am. I am a little fearful of 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 being that dad as well. Because I, through doing this show, I've become a lot more open minded in terms of my my taste in music and different yeah, genres. Right. And um, but yeah, uh, I go back to that expression. Um, if you open your mind too much, your brain might fall out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like I get there sometimes with some songs where I'm listening to them, thinking like this is all right, and then I take a breath and I'm like. Nah, this is shit. And yeah, I completely, you need to have some kind of artistic license or sensibility. I, I completely understand what you mean, and I think if you get into something at a certain age, that's always going to be your anchor. Like I yeah. have, I've done the done the gamut. Like I've gotten into hip hop when like Pitchfork was really going after hip hop. I've gotten into like synth based stuff, and then eventually all that stuff falls by the wayside, and I keep going back to what I what I really love yeah and every time i think like you know once every it's probably stopped now i'm 35 and i'm i'm a father but i think like in my 20s especially like once every two or three years i was like i gotta fucking listen to like what everyone's listening to and find new music and be cool and you and you do for a little bit and then you're like am i enjoying this as much as i would be (laughs) if i just put on fat lip and ruined another party telling telling person to put their dj decks away so i can play some 41 absolutely 
Oh, well, speaking of, a uh, song for is a song that makes you happy. So you went for Damn It uh, by yes. Blink-22. The yes. live version from the Mark yes. Tom and Travis The show. live version, uh, mm. my God. I, c- I could put that on now and jump around the house. And it is seven in the morning and everyone is trying to sleep or in the throes of waking <laughs> up. But it is, to yeah. me, I mean, it's probably one of Blink's biggest songs. And then they've taken that. And then for a 13-year-old, they've sped sped up the fuck out of it. <laughs> and then yep. they've added boner jokes into it. So it's like, that's a perfect slice of songwriting for you there. And I think yep. the song itself, like, stands up really well. And, of course, like, everyone my age kind of knows, damn it. And, like, if you put that on at a party these days, I think everyone would stop and be able to sing every single word. And I know mm. I've always been able to do that. And... Yeah, I yeah. think if someone was like, I do not enjoy this song, I, I would probably be like, oh man, well, our personalities aren't going to mesh. <laughs> so it, you can, like, I mean, people can say Blink-22 is a shitty band. Like, I mean, they they would say it themselves a lot of the time. But I think if you were right. like, but this is a bit of a jam, yeah, you'd be sure. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that album th- was just so incredible. I, that was the first live album I've ever, ever heard. Like, I didn't realize live albums existed as a concept. Mm. And, you know, you get that. It's got that parental warning sticker on it. You feel like you're getting away with something when you pick it up from Sanity. I had no right. idea that it had all the kind of banter in between. So when they're talking right. about, like, pee and poo and stuff, and I'm 13, I'm like, this is genius. And I'm <laughs> thir- 35 now being like, yeah, this is genius. It's just, <laughs> it's just completely informed who I am as a person for better and mostly worse. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was my thought. And I think I've had a few people explain it to me. That was my thought when the, um, when the reunion tour was announced. Mm. And they did that video, which was just a bunch of people saying they're coming we are coming yeah i yeah. laughed so hard when i saw that and i was right. so thrilled i i watched that and i was like what these are grown men this is embarrassing and then yeah the more people i speak to about it the more people who are like well that that sort of they 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 instilled that sense of humor in me from a young age yeah so now that i still that's that's what i find funny exactly because of them when i saw that i think i've watched that announcement video upwards of a thousand times just in the week between that announcement was made and the new song was released because there was a snippet of the song in between right uh, like at the very end and you want to kind of find out what it sounds like and man it never stopped making me laugh i i got tickets to that tour as soon as it went on sale i don't know um so yeah like i've, I've never i've never been a massive blink Two fan um i just i think the the timing was just off for me when i was like I've probably listened to similar kind of music, like um, mm. like I was really into Jimmy Eat World, like um, back yep. in the day. Um, and I got into Jimmy Eat World through Blink because they played. Right. They were the Jimmy Eat World were the band that played at Tom's wedding reception. So he was like, "I got this oh, band okay. that I love, Jimmy Eat World," and I was like, "All right, I got to check them out." And that was nice, probably okay. pretty much just when Bleed American came out, and yeah, it got heavy into them through that. Yeah. Um, but but even saying that, I can. I can totally see, like, I just based on what I love about live music, what I really like about going to see bands that I enjoy, I can totally see why this would blow minds when you, yeah. when you hear it live because the the sound is incredible. Like, it, like just the 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 way they've captured the live essence of of it in, in this song is phenomenal. The slightly 
quicker speed that you've mentioned um just the energy of it i yeah it's it's incredible yeah. and then you know as someone who's who's never really connected with blink 102's humor um I, I i objectively singing a song about i guess this is growing up and then finishing the song shouting tom has no dick at all <laughs> funny it's an int- integral part of funny. the song too see that's why you get that live version so you can get that stuff yeah. on there and the you yeah. know i think i would say that my entire group of friends won't be able to sing damn it if it comes on without saying take your pants off at the very beginning <laughs> and that you know that's not in the original yeah. album version but no one's no one's everyone's taken the opportunity to say take your pants off i think has to be done yeah absolutely all right song five is a song makes you sad so you went for laura and the beehive by yeah years beautiful song i can't listen to it too much at the moment i think the wonder years are uh i love the wonder years they're kind of a band that has followed my progression as a person like when i was just out of uni uh and kind of working at a working retail and kind of like sick of everything they released an album about like having post-college depression and learning to claw your way out of it and then you know stuff about feeling like people and then a few years later an album about like uh reconnecting with your old suburb and then a few albums later songs about like feeling like you've been left behind and then this latest album that came out just last year was all about him becoming a father for the first time when I was just about to become a father for the first time. So it's another one where you're just like, all right, it is exactly mirrors my life. I'm here for it. And I mean, the song obviously is about him and his grandma and how she took care of him as a kid and him like reaching out to Cola. And um, because my grandma currently lives in England 24 hours away and she's she's just her 90 and she's struggling with um, dementia and all that stuff. And currently i guess i'm just worried that i won't get back to england in time to see her to meet her great-granddaughter before she passes so that song i mean i i'm feeling emotional just saying that (laughs) right now yeah but like when i listen to that song that's when i said i listen to albums some days i might be like all right we're skipping laura and the beehive (laughs) just because and i'm always like i should call my grandma but my parents are like you won't get anything out of it she won't recognize it Right. So yeah. I'm hoping that Christmas 2023, I get down there and she gets to meet her and it's lovely. But right, well, if, it, if it doesn't happen, that song's getting a fucking workout. Then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, fingers crossed. But I, I didn't realize it was by his, um, his, uh, his, gra- his grandma. Um, that is that is devastating. I I assumed it was about like a like an estranged partner or something. Um, because there's a slightly, I was gonna say slightly pathetic, but it, there's a very desperate quality to it. In yeah. That, you know, um, I just called to talk about the weather or anything you want. Um, like that anything you want is it. The, there's desperate. I think is the word because it's just like, I'm just I'm calling for the sake of it. I just want to like anything you want to talk about. We'll talk about. It. I just want to. Yeah. Being, I want to maintain a connection with you. Yeah, desperate. Said, is, that, that, that's such a t- tough, tough lyric. I thought. Yeah, desperate is a great word. And as a lyricist, I think Dan Campbell in the punk scene is kind of unrivaled and did a kind of thing that 
wasn't being done at that you know every everyone's got the stereotypes about emo talking about killing yourself and uh going right. to the mall and hate and hating women and stuff and i but i think he did very literal lyrics about like what exactly was going on in his life like name dropping restaurants he ate at talking about how he was depressed in a way that wasn't uh you know obfuscated by metaphor like he was just outright right. saying it and like as yeah. he's progressed he's been able to you know integrate more sophisticated techniques but there is that directness and i think it helps mm. as well and his voice kind of has that quality of desperation that you're talking about where sometimes it can it can go into an almost like yelp that sounds like pathetic or at the yeah. end of his rope and stuff like that which i think really helps sell the song and it is Definitely. kind of like a slower ballad in a in an album that has quite a few like fast-paced aggressive songs but in like back to forth that out back to front sorry that album just about him becoming a father and realizing that he's got to keep on going just to right. be there for his daughter i think is a very powerful yeah. thing yeah absolutely yeah the, the yeah the, the the quality in his voice is um yeah phenomenal really sells it and uh I, I I love any kind of like performative element because um, mm. I I do feel like a lot of a lot of modern music. I f- fuck, I sound like an old man. I'm an old <laughs> man. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of a lot of modern music has lost that. I think that, yeah. that that genuine emotion or like you know, uh, quality performative element. You do get quite a lot of people who put a bit of angst in their voice and stuff, but I like it just feels a little inauthentic quite a lot of the time. Um, and this is this is really really beautiful, and and yeah, I I I'm a huge fan of like that sort of just direct poetic lyricism, just you know, yeah, without using metaphor, just telling it how it is, just sort of singing about what you're feeling, and just making it real. And I like that that is for me that's what art's all about. It's just you know laying your soul bare, just being honest and open, and um just talking about how you're feeling and totally and and people connect with that because you know like we're all the same we all go through the same sort of yeah. shit so i think with the wonder years you can say you're never gonna have to go on genius.com to look at what the song's about <laughs> like it's pretty much right, it's sure. pretty much always there and i wouldn't on the news, yeah. and then i mean that almost sounds like i'm taking a shot at them but i i think it works perfectly for what they do no that's yeah no i agree i think that's that, that that's that's what i want quite a lot of the time yeah mm. um beautiful um i'm definitely gonna have to check out banner because the uh yeah the 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 quality of the lyrics is insane and that's something i massively connect with so oh yeah yeah um, definitely give it a shot the latest album the hum goes on forever is very good excellent okay um all right so song six is a song to relax to so you went Mm -hmm. for over the hill from the final fantasy nine soundtrack yeah this is a hard left turn And uh, mileage may vary for people listening to, I mean, getting this playlist and being like, oh, God, it's all emo stuff. And then having this basically piece of PlayStation music playing on repeat for three minutes. But, I mean, I grew up as a kid loving these long uh, Final Fantasy games, 100-hour games when, you know, you've moved countries, you've moved across the world from the Netherlands to Australia. You find it hard to make friends and stuff. And then you've got... These game, these beautiful PlayStation games have big stories in them, big dramatic moments, and then these uh, kind of like classical music scores that are quite highly regarded, even outside of 
video gaming circles even now and yeah. that's kind of your first you know i not introduction because you know what classical music is because it's kind of the boring stuff you learn in music class but like finally learning like oh this can be stuff it's like when you discover books like famous books uh, uh and you're like oh this is much better when i don't have to read it for english class you know what sure. i mean yeah yeah so like you know, I, I love like Beethoven and all that stuff, but at first you kind of um, associated it with learning music theory and stuff like that. And this was something right. where I was like, oh, this is this is classical tinged music that I enjoy. And it's also like, I think working from home during the pandemic, you want music to relax to. And someone on YouTube right. put up an unauthorized nine hour video of Final Fantasy music designed to help you relax. And I think right, okay. i played that every day for like a few months straight just oh really all nine hours of it and that playlist it's now gone because the video game company has served it a copyright notice but it always right. began with that song and so whenever i put that on i was kind of like ah, all right everything's gonna be good today nice excellent so it's a it's um, a strange choice but that makes sense makes yeah. sense um so would you still would you still play the games at all or yeah i mean not, i'm not much time currently yet. still playing the games oh yeah okay, so good. yeah i have again it's like vinyl it's one of those things where they keep releasing them on new consoles and i keep buying them even though i already yeah. own them and but now they're on the now that luckily they're only like 20 bucks or something like that and you know you can um, you can jack up the speed so i can kind of just it's a relaxing thing to even just play them knowing exactly how to do it no challenge right. really just enjoying yeah. it yeah yeah i get that i i am i i play a lot of fifa yeah i i like to play fifa on a lower difficulty level than yeah me too my ability uh and then i just zone out it's something yeah. so satisfying about smashing someone with your favorite team or just like really giving it to the computer i used to live with these yeah. two guys this would have been like uh late 2000s who were obsessed with like fifa being the most realistic it could be so they would manually change all the settings so that like you had to manually pass the ball so you'd have to right. basically guide it or else it would be the most horrendous miss kick. And I was like, guys, you're taking the fun out of the game here. <laughs> yeah, big times. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, do you get into the, like the lore of Final Fantasy? Like, you know, there's a, like a, a lot of online debate about certain Oh man. Uh, relationships and when I was, when I was, uh, when I was a kid with the internet, there's a, there, I was definitely a member of multiple forums of Final Fantasy. It's like, I think yeah. one of my first posts was a, a petition to bring an unreleased Japanese game to here, just on a forum that wasn't that busy. Like thinking, like, oh, if I get enough signatures on this, they'll listen. Just on this, I think I got like twenty people <laughs> being like, yeah, it'd be great to have that game out. And I was like, I'm making a difference. But yeah, it's still, and I mean, you know working in an office job sometimes and you're waiting for work to come in you're just like all right well i've got to look on the internet at something i've refreshed the sports scores a million times and so i'll just like look at wikipedia pages and reread the lore <laughs> and just be like yep remember that that's good stuff <laughs> yeah it's um it's it's something that i i like i've never played final fantasy 
but I get heavily invested in online drama. Yeah. So, like, like it just comes. I don't. I don't follow anyone on Twitter, but I still get algorithm-fed stuff. And mm-hmm. one of the things that keeps coming up to me is like arguments about Final Fantasy lore, and I read it, not having a notion about who these people are, but just enjoying people getting insanely irrationally angry because someone has a different opinion to them on like the relationship status of their favorite characters oh yeah even you know even which game is best well that that can be a twitter thread that'll last days if you let it it'll yeah, go yeah. out like wildfire and i yeah. i definitely i would have been involved in stuff like that but now i would be like i do not have time for this <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i i would yeah i would say like in terms of getting my involvement in those discussions i think uh parenthood really puts a lot of things in perspective in terms of yeah how you spend your time and your energy yeah exactly waiting to yeah. <laughs> angering my wife when i'm supposed to put the baby down by talking about which sword is the coolest <laughs> and it's like that this yeah. guy's making fun of the gun blade you gotta give me five minutes <laughs> someone is wrong on the internet <laughs> uh, all right so another another left turn um a song from your preteen years, song seven, uh, Backstreet Boys, everybody. Oh, brother. Uh, this song definitely owned on single, definitely uh-huh. would have brought the album. Uh, and uh, I, don't, it's just, I, I haven't listened to the Backstreet Boys album in a while, but I, man, something about Backstreet Boys deep cuts where you're just like, oh, man, without the singles, this is full of dog shit. <laughs> you know it's like because they they always get like five singles and they're always be bangers and then you're right. like oh fuck they have to fill up the rest of the album with other stuff that doesn't make it and they are right. pretty terrible but this one i chose in particular because it was it, it was something that could have almost uh caused great embarrassment to me um yeah so i love i love this song i love the music video with all the horror stuff it's cool all the dance moves i think like at that point you know, I, I would have been too young for people to be like, what, are you listening to a boy band? That's fucking so lame. Like, right. it, it was like a genuinely big song where like every person in my grade knew and loved it. It would come on at school dances. So you have no right. cons and like not mingling with older kids. I didn't have an older brother or anything. So it's just on MTV. So for all I know, and like, you know, I'm yep. way, this is pre-Reddit. So... <laughs> I'm way too young to have any notion of people being like, you know, this sucks and you suck for liking it. So I'm just like, this is the most popular song. It's good. I like it. And so my school in um, the Netherlands, it did something every year. It was called uh, Band-Aid, which was kind of a takeoff on them. The Live Aid concerts where like at the end of every school year, basically all students who were musically inclined could play in a band would play a concert, two concerts, one that was during the day for all the students in every year of high school and mm-hmm. one during the night when all the parents would come and friends of parents would come. And it was genuinely cool. Like you could see people in like year 10. I remember there was a guy in year 10 who was playing like the stereophonics and he ripped the guitar and like genuinely been like, man, this guy is a rock star. I don't know what's yeah. happened to him now. I don't think he is. But at that time, like that must feel pretty goddamn good. And yeah. so at this time, I'm probably, I, I've been playing piano for a few years. I've just kind of started guitar. 
I've got a lot of friends who are into music. And so we're like, man, we should get on this uh, Band-Aid thing. And mm-hmm. we put our heads together and we're like, well, what's the best song right now? It's everybody, Backstreet's Back. We're going to do that. Right. And so we went to the music director guy and we're kind of like, well, we want to do Band-Aid. We would have been in the lowest year of high school at this point. So there's all the guys who've been studying music for ages and then these very fresh-faced teen, uh, pre-teens coming in and being like, but we want to do Live Aid too. And like, <laughs> there was no age limit. Like uh, there were people that were great that were my age that did other stuff. And so the guy's like, all right, well, what song do you want to do? And we're like, well, we want to do Everybody Backstreet's Back. And he kind of gave us like a funny look and he was like, well, how are you going to do that? And we're, we were like, oh, well, we'll find like a backing track for it because, you know, it doesn't have any, <laughs> we're not going to play live parts of it. Um, sure. So we went and we found a MIDI file uh, that was kind of like, that was the backing track, but it was very obviously a MIDI file. So it wasn't the full backing sure. track. And we're like, and this is it. And we're going to play it and we're going to sing it. And the guy kind of ta- tried to talk us out of it and was like, <laughs> guys this uh this midi sounds bad and have you considered like what you'll be doing the five year and we're like well we'll all be singing and dancing obviously we'll be rock stars and he was just like okay maybe think about it and then so we sat down and we're like fuck like none of us are trained singers none of us know what we're doing none of us even know how to sing in time to a midi track this midi track is also garbage let's not do it this year and i think i'm very glad we didn't because if we had got up (laughs) and sung to a MIDI track of Backstreet's Back with all our out-of-tune voices, that would have been a rough extra five years in high school of people pointing to me in the locker room and being like, everybody, and then laughing. Um, So I think I really got away with one there, which makes me even more fond of the song. And then the next year we came back and we actually did perform Don't Speak by No Doubt with proper instruments. And... We did great. It went off. We sprayed red in our hair so we looked like rock stars. I found a photo of it recently and I look like the smallest kid with a bass guitar that's almost as big as me. <laughs> so we Again, like we go to like saying we had no concept of Backstreet Boys song. We had no concept even of how to play this No Doubt song. Like my friend could play guitar and he could do the main chord structure and the solo and he ripped at it. We had a drum player and then they're like, Jamie, you can play bass never touched a fucking bass in my life assumed it was just like guitar and then the first time we showed this coordinator we did like a rehearsal for him and we played don't speak and it was just kind of like my friend doing the guitar part perfectly and me improvising the bass right based on what i thought the sheet music was saying and then he was like we got to get you to your guitar teacher who simplified it to the point where i was maybe playing like just four notes over and over again sitting down yeah sure but man I still felt like a god when I was on stage <laughs> plugging those bass. I'm pretty sure my bass wasn't plugged in as well, the more I think about it, because those heavy <laughs> bass tones weren't in there. But, you know, I, it's not going to stop me living my redhead dream. Absolutely. Um, oh, so funny. I mean, you you could not pick a worse song uh, than everybody but Backstreet Boys if, you were gonna, if you're looking to avoid being bullied. Exactly. The, and that, that's what I mean. Especially... Especially the bit with the, uh, you know, like, am I sexual? Yes, and, did like, not even consider like, that until right now, actually. <laughs> right, <laughs> so one of you would talk. have to sing am I sexual, and the rest of you would have to go, yeah. Yeah, I don't think, that's the thing. No I don't good. even think we had a concept of, like, 
because you know when you're young and you first, like i think like when i when i was 12 or 13 and i first listened to like eminem do like my name is like you're kind of like oh mm. this is naughty like he's saying naughty things or like when you listen yeah. to the offspring and the guy said shit or fuck like am i sexual right <laughs> over my head like i wasn't even considered i was just like man it sounds good <laughs> sexual i guess it's like, yeah, I didn't even consider. Man, what would the parents have thought if five boys came out? We probably would have been. We probably would have had coordinated outfits as well. Singing in my sexual would have been great. Now I kind of regret not doing it. Now that you brought it up, maybe I'll have to. Um, maybe I'll have to stage a reunion concert. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Do like the do like the Beatles. Get back. Get on the roof of my old school in Holland and just yeah. get the MIDI track pumping. Five boys I haven't talked. Five boys I haven't yeah. talked to in twenty years. Just do it for the love of the back. game. Yeah, yeah. Backstreet's back. All right, excellent. Um, all right, perfect. Song eight is a cover. So mm-hmm. your song is "Ever Fallen in Love" by Thursday. Yep. Um, this would be one where my dad got me into the Buzzcocks original when he was okay. raging against the punk rock I was listening to and telling me about what real punk rock was. So I was already familiar with the song. I kind of chose this one just because Thursday is maybe my favorite band of all time. It's the only band I've got a tattoo of, and I had not included them anywhere else in this list. So I was like, I've got to find a way to get right. fucking Thursday in here. So I think it's it's a tight cover. It sounds like the song, but it's got the guy's own kind of almost atonal voice in it and i love his voice even though it's conventionally not good and he would be the first to say that but uh also this song gets extra points because it was on a tony hawk soundtrack and you know i would have spent years and years playing tony hawk games i think it's from tony hawk american wasteland maybe where it was like the soundtrack was all modern bands covering like classic punk covers yeah and so, yeah. yeah, I chose that. This is a simple one with not much story. Original song rips. This version rips. Thursday rule. People should listen to Thursday. Sick. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of this version. I really really liked it. Um, I I'm a sucker for um a drum going into halftime. Yep. Uh, and they do that in the chorus, and it makes me happy every time. Yeah. And it's it's. I like I I'm not I'm not someone who knows a huge amount about music and would be able to to talk about whether that's good or mm. whether that's a bit basic. I don't know. I just know it makes me happy every time. Yeah, it's if it sounds good to a you. Lot of fun. Sounds good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. all right. So song seven is a song you would sing at karaoke. So yours is "Don't Look Back in Anger." yeah this is one that i have also regularly sung at karaoke my uh my good friend and the co-host of my podcast community notice board alex white we sing this song at karaoke every time and i like a bit of karaoke i'm more used to the private room kind of karaoke that you get down here i did not realize how much my friend alex loved live karaoke in front of everyone else but he took me to newcastle one time which is where he's from it's about an hour and a half two hours from sydney and he was sure. like well we got to do karaoke and we got to sing our song we got to do don't look back in anger and i was like okay cool and he's like one thing this is like in front of everyone and i was like all right you know you get really drunk and we're just waiting uh waiting in the line to kind of do the song 
and eventually he gets to the front of the line and he's like, it's Alex. And the person cuts him off and goes, I know who you are, Alex. Don't look back in anger. And I was just like, okay, he's good at this. He's he's a king. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and did it go down well? Oh, I think it did. I I I remember being very drunk and then kept like afterwards being like, we opened up the pit over and over again but I, I i think it was just like maybe six to seven people waiting for their turn and then a couple of old people who had also had as many beers as i had had but yeah right. i mean it goes off every time i think and it's probably yeah. when we go to karaoke and you flip open that big book it's probably one of the first things we look for to make sure it's there but you don't sing it straight away because it's such a showstopper for us you probably wait mm. till about like I would say 60% of the way through. Burn down the place. Leave them wanting more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a big... It's a big drunk people sing along song. Yeah, I mean, it's sure. classic Oasis, really. It's like yeah. very much drunk lads getting yeah. emotional over lyrics that kind of make no sense, but the way it sounds mm. make it... Makes it sound very emotional and meaningful. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. I am one of the. Pe- I, I would be one of the people who would uh, probably leave when this song comes on because <laughs> uh, I have. Uh, you just haven't I think, heard you know, our I, version of it. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's yeah. it. Maybe that. Maybe that's what will turn me around. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I've. Uh, I've been very judgmental in the past of of certain bands and artists and like i've become a lot more open-minded um over the past year or so um i i I still haven't quite got there with oasis oh Uh, yeah i've I've been through what you're talking about i was a big fan of them growing up and then i was kind of this like Britpop, the Britpop wars were right when i was getting into this sort of stuff so i changed from changed my allegiance from oasis to blur but now if i'm reaching for something that i want to sing along to i mean i still like blur but a lot of their stuff is very arty and obtuse and sometimes (laughs) i just want to hear a northern man drone on and feel like i'm drinking the oasis is kind of just like the auditory version of having six pints of beer (laughs) i think that's good yeah yeah um just remember now actually i when i was at school we did we very very similar to what you were saying about um that band aid thing we did that in, in our school as well um it, we just did the one for fellow students mm-hmm. um we did uh and i i played um i was like the the front man for our band and we did don't look back in anger oh. and i hated myself for it and oh, it no. went very very well <laughs> it went really well do you want to, i I think there's two things I don't like about Oasis. Is one is that "Don't Look Back at Anger" and uh, "Wonderwall" are the two quintessential white mm-hmm. boy with a guitar at a party, and yes. I I hate I hate that guy. Yeah. Uh, and then the the other thing is that uh, they're just such wankers. The two the Gallagher brothers, like they're so irritating. Anytime I hear them talk, like. I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff they said about like, like I can't remember which one which Gallagher said it, but one of them said that the only reason they're not as big as the Beatles is because the Beatles came along first. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. fuck, 
off. The, no, the, the reason you're not as big as the Beatles is that you're not as good as the Beatles. Yeah, like, that's an insane thing to say. You're pub rock with a few flourishes. I, I, yeah. I mean, I love the shit they get themselves into. There was a the thing with Glastonbury when Jay Z was mm-hmm. first headlining, and they got their the danders up about that, and then for fucking Jay Z to come out and do Wonderwall first is just like. <laughs> There's just if you're the Gallagher brothers, you have to be like fair play because we chat so so much shit that like it's good to yeah. have someone clap back. I think they kind of respect that kind of stuff too. Like, yeah, I gotta, think so. You got to let they, people be able to clap back. You have to, yeah. And Lewis Capaldi did the same when they were like they they called him Chewbacca and he yeah. came out in a Chewbacca mask. I mean, it's just yeah. It's yeah. Dynamite. At that point, I'd be like, yep, this kid's got it, baby. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing you can say to that that you've mm. done. Um, but yeah, but like for for all my prejudice against Oasis, it is a, an, an an undeniably popular song, and I think especially for karaoke, if that's what you're going, if you're going for, get the crowd on board, uh, you know that rock star vibe on stage. Perfect. Yeah, like it, it'll exactly. take that box for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, song 10 is a song that reminds you of a specific place. So your song is Can't Hardly Wait by The Replacements. Yep. Um, I love The Replacements. They're a, a great band, but I got into them in a very odd way where I had not heard of them until 2016, I believe. And I was okay. about to go to Japan and I was looking for books to read and I saw on the website, the AV Club, that this book biography about the replacements called trouble boys was considered one of their books of the year and the way they wrote about it which is basically like they said that it's a great chronicle of a band that was like got in their own way so many times because they were drunk fuck-ups and i was like oh i can relate to that like trying to do (laughs) stuff in the arts but constantly just being drunk and then i read the book on the plane having never listened to a note of the replacements and by the time I got off, I was like, I'm the biggest replacements fan in the world. But I could not be, I could not sing a single song. I didn't know any lyrics, didn't know anything. So I think the first thing I did once I got like my plane mode off was listen to a replacement song. And Can't Hardly Wait was the first one I chose because I used to love the movie Can't Hardly Wait. So I was like, there okay. we go. Sounds the same. And I loved the song immediately. And luckily, the music of The Replacements clicked with me. Otherwise, I would have been nine hours reading that book (laughs) and then being like, oh, this sucks. And it just reminds me of that because that trip was the the trip to Japan was the one where I proposed to my now wife. So it was a very special trip for me. And then like adding that, like finding that kind of band that you're like, oh, fuck, like I've just... And then I think I spent like the next six months like at comedy open mics having beers, telling anyone who would listen about this hot new band, The Replacements, that existed in the 70s and 80s. And people were like, yeah, we know who The Replacements are, man. And being like, yeah, but did you know this about them? And then reading up a passage of Trouble Boys to them. <laughs> oh, amazing. I, it's, it's, oh, it's such a good song. I, I, yeah. I absolutely love the song. There's actually um, a... For me as well, there's two versions of it. And there's one on like a replacements compilation where there's a demo version of what it was going to be if it was on the album before and they cut the strings and it's just a harder edged guitar song with kind of more emotional, negative lyrics. And that version also bangs. But I've gone with the mm. uh, the actual album version here because I think it's I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. 
Um, oh, what an what a what a, what a nice thing to have though for um to remember that that trip and that time. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. very specific. I remember being in like uh, staying in hotels where they had those uh you know the twenty four hour bathhouses and spas, and you could but also uh-huh. you could just kind of chill out on a on a couch and smoke a cigarette and drink a liter of beer that cost two bucks from a vending machine and just like listening to a replacements while reading the book and being like, yep, mm. this is, this is pretty good. And then just like worrying whether my now wife would accept my proposal. <laughs> having this fucking having this cat man do backpack that I've dragged around since I was 19 instead of real luggage with a, with a little ring going in the box where my shoes are. And every time she's like, have you got your shoes? I'm like, don't touch that bag. <laughs> yeah i uh yeah i went to um copenhagen mm. um to propose to my wife and, oh nice um and yeah like I, I could not tell you a single song that i listened to because i was just so nervous yeah um and uh <laughs> i'll tell you a quick story i um so i Basically, I, I I booked this trip. I knew I was going to propose. Mm-hmm. I played an absolute blinder, by the way, in terms of like throwing her off the scent. So oh, I was yeah. very much like, yeah, like, like, hundred percent. I do want to marry you. I don't. I want to get engaged. I, we just can't afford it right now. I can't afford a ring. We can't afford like all that kind of stuff. Um. So as far as she's concerned, she had no idea. Um. Booked this trip as a surprise. Didn't tell her where we were going. But I gave her all the details that she needed to pack. So like mm-hmm. I told her what the weather forecast was gonna be, when we were going roughly. I booked I, I like printed things off and then like blacked out certain bits of information and then photocopied it so she couldn't read it on the other side. Ooh. Like played it perfectly. Like it was yeah. so good. Um closer to the time then I told her where we were going. Um and I had printed off the hotel confirmation as well. Yep. Um so she knew what the amenities were and stuff like that and it blacked out like the the price and stuff like that um and then we <laughs> i proposed on the on our second day there mm-hmm. and uh uh we went to this place to Foley gardens um i you know got down one knee to the speech and as i was getting back up she said she said yes first of all but as i was getting back up she said i gotta tell you something Oof. and what she had to tell me is when I booked the hotel, I wrote a note to the hotel to say, I'm going to propose to my <laughs> girlfriend on the second day. Basically, like, gunning for an upgrade, right? Yeah. I didn't realize that that was going to be in the note. So when I handed her the hotel confirmation, I handed her a piece of paper that said, I'm going to propose to my girlfriend. Oh, no, so you've redacted all the information about the location and price, but been like, I've got yeah. a surprise for my girlfriend. <laughs> but yeah, I've told her, like, all right, I'm going to propose to you, right? Oh, so boy. I was shitting myself the entire way there. Like, the security took my bag at one point, and the ring was in it. And I went white because I thought, like, they're going to take this out. Mm-hmm. I remember saying to her, like, can you go and see when our flight is? Like, look, go and look at that board over there. And she was like, Nah, I don't need to. She was winding me up because she knew that there was a ring in the bag, but oh, I had no idea. Stuff. So she she just she kept me on she had me on strings the entire time. 
That's um, brilliant, especially for you to be like, I am, a, I am the master at work here. I was so proud of myself, honestly. And, like, I was right as well. So, like, when we spoke about it afterwards, she had no clue until I gave her that piece of paper. Oh. She didn't suspect it. She'd actually been speaking to her friend just before that. And her friend had said, do you think he's going to propose? And she said, no, definitely not. And then about an hour later, I gave her the piece of paper. <laughs> I think that's one of those things, though, right, where if you'd done it exactly right, I don't think yeah. the story would have that personal idiosyncrasy <laughs> that this version has where you're like, okay, well, at least like a ton of people have kept secret, not kept secrets, that sounds more sinister, but a ton of people have kept a surprise on the wraps and pulled it off. They're a dime a dozen. I've fucked yeah. it up in a way that is exclusively <laughs> me and it kind of sums up what I'm doing here. And that, that I think, is better even, that you yeah. have that moment <laughs> that you can tell people. Because everyone's heard a story about someone surprising someone. Yeah. Yeah, God. Um, yeah, and then we we work in the same office, so she had the the she had the piece of paper. She was just like when she was showing people the ring, she was also showing people the the confirmation. <laughs> see, that's so you perfect. could see people you could see people reading down and going, "Oh shit, no!" It's like, yeah, yeah, what happened? All for um, that upgrade. Did you get the upgrade? No, I got fuck all. Oh. Like we and, and like after after we we got engaged, I also was at reception like hinting or saying like you know we just we just got engaged, we're gonna go for dinner. Do you recommend anywhere? And they're just like, yeah, there's a pizza place around the corner. Yeah, never never been a kind of guy that knows how to play that in a way to my advantage. Like I think definitely when I got no. married, I was like, hey, newlyweds, <laughs> and they're like, yep, cool, table for two's over there, and you'd be like, fuck, I thought I was gonna get something free here. <laughs> I mean that's how that's how it plays out in the movies, right? You just you yeah. just sort of hint at it, and then they're like, "You're engaged, you've or or like you've just got married." Like, here's all this stuff. Yeah, the amount of times yeah. I've thought about doing the trick where you uh, shake someone's hand and you've got money in it and pass it to them, just because that's what <laughs> movies and sitcoms have told me a suave person does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would. I yeah. That's that's a dream. I'd love yeah. to do that sometime. That'd be great. Yeah. Excellent. Um, all right, we'll move on. Song eleven is a song that reminds you of a specific person. So you went for first day of my life. By yes, Paradise. and this is kind of a direct continuation of the last song because this is the song that my wife walked down the aisle to. So it reminds oh. me of my beautiful wife, who I love very much. Excellent. Um, this is just a song. You know, I think when you've got such defined music tastes in something that can sometimes yeah. be considered a little juvenile, it's it's often uh, hard for your taste to match up with your partners. I know my previous partners were like, "All right, so you're either listening to like songs about doo doo or like men screaming," and I was like, "Yep, that's it. You got it." And I think <laughs> "Bright Eyes" was one where my wife was like, "Yep, I like this song too. I've heard of it." And I was like, "Yep, I love this song." And I think the more we talked about it, the more like this has got to be the one. And then I think relatively recently she bought me the record of the album that this is on just to as oh, an anniversary gift. So yeah, it's a it's a great song. I don't even I also don't think the lyrics are supposed to be that romantic. Like I think if you read into them, they're like they're more mm. kind of like wistful and melancholy, but you know, it's what you make of it. So I it reminds me of my wife. Yeah. I I've always I've I've never really focus on the lyrics too much and i've always assumed that it's quite romantic so yeah so yeah. just don't read them I, I, I reckon yeah 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 i think just that's don't good. read them yeah redact them Keep like you way. did redact them like you did your proposal details i think <laughs> yeah 
Um, God. Uh, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Oh, that's, that's that, that is lovely. I, I'm 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 a big fan of that. I've I've had a few um walk down the hell songs on on the show before, and it is yeah. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing. Mm. Um, and I, I I'm a I'm a huge advocate for choosing songs to walk down the aisle to rather than the the more traditional yeah, stuff i think so um, i think there's something to yeah. be said for that and so it was cool because we got married in las vegas as well and so oh, like nice. that you know to have uh the japan thing with the replacements and then this be tied to such a specific person but also like a specific place where like families and friends flew all the way so we had like 30 people there and just like stayed mm. in the same hotel and partied it, it was a lot of fun so that song yeah had been special to me up until that point and now is kind of like ascended to a whole other level yeah definitely definitely it's such it's such a uh it's, oh, it's just it's just such a joyful moment as well like because mm. it i because everything about planning a wedding is so stressful mm. and then I, I i remember like we did we did a first look my wife and i which is uh like we saw each other before the ceremony and we did our pictures then yeah and then and then we went to the ceremony which like if anyone is planning a wedding i'm a huge advocate for that i think it's i think it's the way to go um but uh even that was kind of stressful and like you know there's the like it was it was really really nice but there's still like still stuff planning and it's it's yeah you're, you're not quite in that relaxing mood just yet and then i think for me when when she walked up the aisle that was the moment where it's like okay now it's just now we just enjoy ourselves it's yeah, just for us you've now. got it you've nail on the head there i think it's just yeah as well because i think i don't know if people think they're helping but like in the hours leading up to the wedding like i think my dad is like are you nervous and like best man is like are you nervous so you're like fucking i am now dickhead and then you know <laughs> Yeah. First day of my life, the guitar lick comes in, see your wife to be, and you're like, no, I'm actually completely calm. Yeah. It's a really blissful song as well. It's like, I think mm. even if it wasn't, I, I absolutely love the song, and I, I, that's that's kind of how I feel when I listen to it. It just, it it relieves like a tension for me. It just like, it makes me, yeah. I just feel like everything's fine now. 100%. Um, so yeah, combine that with your with your wife walking down the aisle. That's, that's, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, all right, song 12 is the song that motivates you. So your song is If Work Permits by The Format. Yeah, I uh, man, I love this song so much. Uh, it It's tied to me to uh, a heartbreak. And I just remember like having a moment where like something wasn't going well with a partner. And mm-hmm. I would drive to my friend's house. It was like a 30-minute drive. And I would halfway through pull over to smoke a cigarette and listen to this song. And that would psych me up to, like, get on with the day. And right. I, I've always thought that the format were, like, one of the great undiscovered bands. And then, obviously, the singer went on to be the guy who was the lead singer of Fun, who became, like, yeah. one of the most well-known bands on the planet for one and a half years and then disappeared into the ether. <laughs> But um, yeah. I always thought the format never kind of they they could have been huge. I reckon, especially because they kind of one of those bands that came from that pop and punk and hardcore scene, but were doing stuff like more pop sensibilities, using orchestration and stuff. So, and it's one of those things I think when you're when you're twenty and you see people doing something different that you think you're more mature just because you're listening to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. you know, 
There's the chugga chugga guitar stuff, but also I don't mind a bit of strings in uh, now and then. I'm I can't, I've got multiple layers to my personality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, it's 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 such a great song. It's yeah. such a great song. I think like um, as well the way it starts so slow, and then when it explodes yeah. into the chorus, and it becomes fast for the rest of the song. That's the moment yeah. where I'm like, yep. And the the refrain of the chorus where it's just, yeah, I'm doing all right. That's one where I was yeah. like, you know, you know what, I I'm doing all right. Yeah, it it'll it'll get you through it. Absolutely. Hmm. I I also love I I love in a song when um uh when it feels you have to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the 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 high energy, the high tempo part. You like there's um yeah there's a, like there's a lot of build up to it and. Yeah, there's just this this massive release of catharsis when uh, when it all kicks in and kicks off. Yeah, catharsis is probably yeah. the best word for that that song. Yeah. The way it once the chorus lifts off, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful song. It's a the album closer. I think, and yeah, it's just a, a summation of everything that came before. I think. Mm, absolutely. Um. All right. Song thirteen is a song that someone introduced you to, so you've gone for the wire. Yep. Um this was one I think we alluded to it earlier when you if you you open your mind so much that your mind will fall out. This was another one. And again, thematically linking to the format. This is another one. I went through a breakup in 2012. Uh was uh-huh. miserable. Uh could not find solace in my little pop punk tunes uh, or anything really in my life. I had a kind of go nowhere job. Uh was living with like a friend of mine and we were having a good time but like it felt like i was kind of in stasis i felt out of shape overweight uh unhappy with myself and i think at some point i was like i gotta turn it all around and i did like almost like what a rom-com would be where i got like a big like a3 piece of paper and wrote a bunch of goals on it and stuck them on my wardrobe and then the montage commenced but instead of you know fun and results it was about 10 months of like grueling working out not drinking doing stuff to better yourself creatively which all feels good eventually but at the time you're just like fuck this is a bit of a slog and uh that was when i was like you know what maybe it's time to branch out musically and so i think that was the first year i started listening to like maybe Kendrick Lamar and run the jewels and getting into vampire weekend and stuff. And then someone was like, you know what? You might like this song by this band Heim. And I was like, yep, mm-hmm. I, I, I do. And, uh, I still do. I still like the band even now. Now I, of course I'm a much happier person. And so can go back to all the stuff that <laughs> I liked originally have put on all the weight that I worked so hard to lose. Uh, but now, you know, you just feel more at peace with it. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. But yeah, definitely so, would, would never have would never have sorted out if I hadn't been like looking to uh expand my horizons. Okay. All right. And there is I so think the there wa- are a few bands that when you expand your horizons, I believe you already said it that like you're listening to them for the sake of it versus things that you actually get into. Like I would have spent like right. a good few months being like, yeah, I don't I think I might like LCD sound system, but I don't. I fucking hate them. Like there's just nothing fun about them to me. Uh it, it's <laughs> boring music. It's the same. There's another like real 
famous band. Oh, Radiohead. I, I tried to do Radiohead at that point. And Radiohead's right. one where, like, maybe I think when I'm 40, I'll be like, it's time to give OK Computer a run and maybe it'll click for me. <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get it. I think... Um, I mean, Radiohead is definitely a band that I felt, for me, took a lot of work mm. for me to, to to get into. And there was a point in my life where I was like, I don't want to work to enjoy music. I just want to enjoy music. That's, exactly. That's that's, that's silly. I mean... A silly thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it, there are points to and from against it. You know, if you just want to uh, yeah. enjoy music, that's good. But it can also lead to bands like LMFAO. It's like there's <laughs> stuff that... If you just enjoy music, sometimes pure shit is going to come out. And if you have to work, I yeah, think sure. it makes it feel a little more special, even though sometimes it can be extremely obtuse and feel like uh, a chore instead of just jamming out. Yeah. Yeah. I do, like, I I mean, I I, I agree with the sentiment. I think I think I, I do quite like LCD Sound System and Radiohead, so I'm not fully on board. But I do agree with the sentiment that there are there are certain bands and certain artists that, that everyone is into and i'm like mm. really i it's fine but i think yeah some, sometimes sometimes it's an intellectual exercise sometimes i just want to listen to music i like and yeah i think for me it's not music. i can recognize that both bands are very good at what they do but also right. be like this is not for me at all and yeah, like, sure. i can listen to it a hundred times but i'm still eventually i might get to the point where i can you know sing along with the words when it comes on in the car but you better believe most of the time yeah. i'm smashing that next song button to get back to something <laughs> more familiar yeah sure fair enough all righty um song 14 is a song you wouldn't expect to like so you went for super bass by Nicki minaj yeah super bass rocks and but i spent so long hating it it's uh kind of like uh a full song version of what I was saying earlier about that little vocal inflection in Hard Times by Paramore where it was on right. the radio all the time and everything about like the bubblegum beat to Nicki Minaj's delivery, I was like, this is the most annoying fucking thing I've heard in the entire world. And I went to Los Angeles that summer and so every cab driver, every shop, like every bar had that song playing like you could not walk into yeah. an urban outfitters or get a beer or get a taxi without super bass playing and eventually it just bludgeoned me into submission where suddenly <laughs> i know a lot of the lyrics i'm singing the chorus and i'm not singing it because i hate it i've learned to love it and like i think it's good and i think Nicki minaj is great i think it's very easy to look at someone like Nicki Minaj and make like a hacky joke about her being, you know, like a like a stupid joke about like female rappers or something. But she she's great. I mean, anyone who can walk onto you know Kanye West's best album and have the best verse on the entire album probably deserves yeah. a little respect. Yeah, yeah. Objectively, yeah, I think Nicki Minaj is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she's got it. She um, definitely has a way with the big singles being annoying as fuck sounding, and eventually you find yourself being like, "Oh, not bad." Like Anaconda, Starships, all songs that I think the first time I heard them, I'd yeah try and leave the room, and now I would yeah. be like, "Yep, this one goes." 
but also yeah, probably not absolutely. a song that if I was at home by myself, I wouldn't be reaching for Super Bass by Nicki Minaj. Just one that I'm happy right. if it comes on. Yeah, sure, sure. I think uh, Starships is is a big one for me. Is like that. I think that song. When I first heard it, I was like, "This is this is probably the song you would come up with if you were if the focus for you was to come up with a song that I would hate the most." Yeah, yeah. You were to put like every element of what I dislike about music into a song, you would come up with Super Bass. Yeah. Um, and it's just a great song. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, come around, but massively. Um, all right, song fifteen is a song you think everyone should listen to. Uh, those playing at home, zero surprises here. Uh, <laughs> you're going for Jimmy Eat World and 23. Yep. Yeah, I had to get Jimmy Eat World in there. I think 23 is such a encapsulation of not just what they're capable of, but what music in that scene is capable of. Because I think right. it's very easy to see the worst parts about that punk and emo scene people rocking around and that stupid long black swoop haircut the associations with like vile misogyny of like because there are bands that got pretty big that were like openly you know calling women bitches and like talking about cutting their wrists open and stuff and so sure. you know you get into that music in 2002 and 2004 it blows up and by the first half of 2005 it's a fucking punching bag because long song titles I hate myself. I'm an emo. I want to. <laughs> I want to die. And then it's yeah. like, but, but you can listen to Jimmy World and be like, musically, this is on par with you know your best rock bands. You've got a seven minute jam with a perfect guitar solo, diff- changing yeah. up the structure of the song in different parts of the song. And I think Jimmy World was one of the, like Pitchfork savaged Jimmy World when they were like coming up with Bleed America. I think they were getting like threes and twos and stuff. This is when they right. were probably at their most snobby. And now I think if you look back, they've got retrospective reviews where like actually this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I think like if you, for anyone that's especially looking at my playlist, being like fuck, this is just a bunch of old emo songs, and I hate that genre <laughs> because I because of all the connotations i'd be like just listen to 23 by jimmy world because it's a seven minute song it's mellow but it's also can get you pumped up it's got wistful intelligent passionate lyrics and yeah yeah and it'll help put your fucking daughter to sleep (laughs) that's that's the big one but it it's definitely it's it's such a good song and like everything they do is good and I'm glad that they they had a kind of they've had a second win because Taylor Swift covered the middle and then they got huge all over again from right from that but this one I mean everyone everyone knows the middle everyone knows it jams but this one I thought an album later and a deep cut as well there's kind of like a f- yeah. live fan favorite as well yeah 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 it's excellent it is good um yeah i like it. it's like um I, I like that you're sort of pitching this is almost like a a, a gateway drug yeah to this, to this it, genre. it this is, is it's like... kind of a statement of a gateway drug but also like in defense of the genre where like yeah it can be it can be two things like it can be as bad as you want it to be but it can be as good as you want it to be as well you've just got to seek right. out the right things that are good because you know 
they're yeah. good indie bands and they're shit indie bands <laughs> like they're they're <laughs> yeah, good rappers and shitty rappers like one thing does not make up a genre and if if it's been written off because you hate people with black hair that used to hang out in the mall <laughs> and talk about yeah. how no one understood them listen to this song go for it yeah it's the it's the acceptable face of pop punk yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I and i think like shows kind of just musically that it's capable of being more than a few like palm muted chords and yeah there's a, there's there's a lot of depth to this album um this is uh, this is an album i listened to a lot when i was when i was younger and yeah i i i think this is where this is this is probably where the cutoff was for me like this like i absolutely love this album never really got into like blink will you two and those kinds of bands mm. um but this this always like resonated with me and i think yeah. it's still it definitely still holds up yeah sure i would agree That's i'm seeing i'm seeing yeah. them on sunday supporting my chemical romance so i'm very excited sick Oh, that's good. Excellent. Well, let me know how it goes. That's oh, I will. Um. All right. Perfect. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I. I don't think I'm gonna top. It gets your daughter to sleep as a reason to <laughs> to listen to music. So. Yeah. And perhaps um, it can get yeah. any daughter to sleep. Who's to say? We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. So let me know. I'll try it, my son. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um. Cool. All right. Well, look. Uh, a lovely note to end on, Jimmy. So, is um. Do you have anything you want to? Uh, plug or promote well, uh, yeah i have a podcast it's called a uh, community notice board that i host with my friends alex white and drew bensley we talk about every week we interview uh, someone usually a comedian about the suburb they grew up in so we talk about their experience and then we do some research into the place itself and usually uncover some fun stories or at the very least a very funny one-star review of a kfc in the neighborhood <laughs> excellent excellent all right, well, thank you very much. Thank you. And that is it for episode 56 of Mixtape and Identity. Thank you so much for listening. Go and check out Community Notice Board. It's a great podcast. Uh, if you're a fan of this show and you like the kind of guests that I book, i.e. Australian comedians, then you'll definitely like that show and the kind of guests that they book as well. Uh, it's an awful lot of fun, so please go and check that out. Uh, give it all the love and support that you can. If you like this show and you want to support it, then there's a couple of different ways you can do that. If you're in a position to support us financially, we do have a coffee link set up. So it's in the description of the podcast. You can throw a couple of quid for an episode that you've enjoyed. Uh, no monthly obligation, no pressure. Um, if you're not in a position to do that, then there are loads of other ways you can support us. Please do give the podcast a rating, uh, a like, a review, all that good stuff. And just tell your friends, tweet about it, share it on Instagram, all that good stuff. Support is very, very much appreciated and yeah, helps grow the podcast and that's what we all want so it is appreciated uh, i will be back next week for episode 57 so in the meantime look after yourselves and we'll speak to you then